For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Save big money now on new siding from LP Smart Side at Menards. Update and beautify your home with your choice of 13 timeless colors of pre-finished engineered siding. It's durable and includes a Sherwin-Williams factory finish paint warranty. That means no painting for years to come. View our entire selection of siding from LP Smart Side today. And don't forget to check out our flyer on Menards.com for all the great deals happening now. Save big money at Welcome in, welcome in, Believe in Monsters podcast, another night, oh, another week to talk about our Chicago Bears, thank you for joining us, you can find us uh, on the Twitter machine at BIM underscore pod, we want to thank the Believe Network for putting us on each and every week, give us a like, review, follow, subscribe, all that good stuff on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and uh, we love talking Chicago Bears, we're going to have a Oh, an interesting night. I like to say fun, but I don't know how fun it's going to be this evening hashing out this past weekend's loss to the crappy New York Giants, losing 20-12 to 12, uh, in a game that, in my estimation, the Bears totally could have won. We'll get into that as we get into the show. Uh, as always, I'm joined by my friends Lucas Berry and Chris Krogman. I'm Joe Gaither, and tonight we will be joined by our offensive line expert, Mr. Gus, Mr. Gus, come on, somebody help me out with the last name, Mr. Gus. It's excited to be back. Well, we're excited to have Gus, our offensive line expert. I was looking for a last name, Krogman. Come on, said, threw me a lifeline for, for, for Gus, the offensive line expert. Uh, and, and we're going to get into this terrible offensive line, this terrible offense, this awful run defense. Uh, questionable coaching uh, co coaching strategies and all that and more. Uh, but before we do it, we need to check in with Father Krogman. How are you doing tonight, sir? Living the dream. Uh, kids got me sick, so that's nice and fun. Uh, got me, had me a <clears throat> down for the count with a stomach bug last week, and now I'm coughing this week. It's just great being a father. Uh, love having little germ factories come home and you know, breathe all over you and it'll help you stay the course. So other than that, doing fantastic, uh, watched in a, just a wonderful game this weekend uh, between two of the best two and one teams in all the land. Uh, and now the Bears are two and two, but that's okay. That's all right. No, it's not. Lucas, Lucas, how are you, friend? Well, I'm not Lucas Patrick, so that's uh, that's good because he's been terrible. Um, I'm all right. I mean, I know Bears Twitter is in uh, Armageddon right now over this game, and uh, 
just hard to be on that app right now. I mean, that's why we come on the pod and discuss our uh, issues with the team because we can have a cordial conversation about it, not rip each other's heads off. But Twitter is Twitter's bad right now. So uh, excited to talk to Michael, though. I know he's got some uh, level-headed takes. So, Michael, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm excited to be back. Really, you know, always love coming on here and talking Bears with you guys. So where do we want to start, Luke? Where do we want to start? We will, Obviously, our focus is on the Giants and Bears game and uh, the loss, and we will look ahead to the Vikings, probably inevitable loss as well, uh, probably in the second half of the show. But goodness gracious. Um, you know, for – I'm, I'm usually play. I usually play the optimistic card here uh, of the trio, and I and I did have the Giants game as a game that the Bears were going to win, uh, heading into this into into our season prediction. Um, but yeah, Krogman kind of said it, said it best. It was a terrible game to watch. It was brutal offensively. We couldn't get a running game going to save our lives. For, for, uh, we had. You know, no production in the passing game. I mean, not no production, but very limited uh, production, uh, very spotty production. Darnell Mooney finally got, uh, finally looked like a, a Bears receiver. What four, took him four games to make an impact in the receiving game. But Justin Fields has been less than stellar this year. We've kind of had our discussions about that as well, what we were expecting for Fields and how he's met those expectations. But I guess since we have our offensive line expert, Michael Gus, goodness gracious, having a brain fart at the end of the night, uh, we, we may as well start with the offensive line. And first, the crappy news that is Cody Whitehair uh, messing up his knee and what that's going to do to an already depleted, decimated, already ragtag offensive line group. So, Michael, why don't you start us off with losing Cody Whitehair and how the Bears responded to that loss and what that's going to look like going forward for us. I mean, uh, getting Sam Mustafer out of the starting five is proving to be like nailing Jello to the wall, huh? It's, uh, yeah, it's, it means that Sam Mustafer, I think, according to what came out of Hell's Hall, it sounds like he's pretty entrenched now with, White hair, I mean, they said he, he's going to miss some time. I know there were reports that he left with some kind of, I'm not sure, cast, I don't think cast is the right, some sort of stabilizing. Like air cast, air yeah, brace, full, full leg brace. Right, I, I, yeah, I, I'm no medical expert, but I saw pictures of something that looked like it was uh, bracing an injured leg as he left. Um, but yeah, offensive line is in a tough spot for sure. It's... Uh, you know, it's that was pre-white hair injury. Who outside of Tevin Jenkins, mind you, who only plays you know half the snaps, give or take, um, was their only even close to serviceable offensive lineman. So, I, I mean, where you go from here is three to four now suboptimal probably players that are going to be playing up front and trying to provide an environment for the best franchise prospect at quarterback that this organization seen in 100 years it's yeah not a good situation to be in is this the worst offensive line we've seen for chicago or was that 
you know, offensive line that got Cutler sacked like nine times and a half against the Giants worse than this. That's up there. I, I think 2019, at least at the end of the year, like post-injury 2019 might have a claim, but I mean, I, I guess it, a lot of the evaluation or before forming opinions on evaluation, I, I've always kind of cautioned on waiting till around week eight, but yeah, this this looks like it's on track. I mean, they're it, they're they're actually much worse, I think, than people realize. I, I think you know Luke Getzey is an easy target because the offense couldn't score a touchdown against a Giants team that ranked near the bottom in defense. But I, I think one thing he has done well is protected a very bad offensive line, specifically very bad tackles. Um, I, I think he's done a pretty good job, kind of hiding that for now. And, but I think that. You know, now it's a cat and mouse game. I think that's become apparent, and they've been easy to scheme against because they only run three-man concepts in order to hide those tackles, and you're seeing the results. You're picking between rolling the dice, you know, in some kind of five-and-a-half or five protection or running three-man concepts with a quarterback who's not seeing the field very well and limiting his options right out of the gate. Speaking of... uh. Joe, I can't hear you if you were muted or not. But yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I was. I, I, I don't mean to cut you off, Luke, but I want to ask, like the the three of you, because the first three games, yeah, the Packers game wasn't pretty, but the first three games, I thought, okay, the offensive line's holding up. We're running the football. Obviously, in the Packers game, they ran the ball fairly well, uh, but we're running the football when we when we kind of line up and choose to run the football. Uh, they they didn't. I mean, Fields wasn't back there on a clean pocket, but I felt like they did okay. But golly, the, the, this past Sunday was utterly brutal. They couldn't get a push up front in the run game for anything. And literally, Fields was pressure in his lap the entire day. So, Gus, can you expound on the cat and mouse game that you're talking about? And Luke and Chris, I want to get your opinions on it as well. Like, uh, is it was it just a matter of oh now we've seen this offense for three weeks and we know what, what defense defensively speaking we we know what we want how we want to attack the, this offensive line. I mean, I could start off just by saying this is the first week that Mustafer has been this bad. I mean, he gave up eight pressures on himself, and the Giants ran the same blitz over and over again versus him and Lucas Patrick, and they couldn't pick it up. Um, the other thing is Mustafer struggles with power rushers. And Dexter Lawrence looked like freaking – he was just incredible. He couldn't be blocked. I mean, he looked like he was like Aaron Donald out there or something. Yeah. yeah. Like, 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 I don't know. So, uh, I mean, if your center's giving up eight pressures, the, that's probably the toughest pressure for field to face. So, I mean, they were in his lap immediately. Um, definitely, definitely worrisome there. But I'll let Chris and, and Michael chime in. Yeah, I would say, you know, you you guys both nailed it specifically, kind of what you said, Joe, to start. Um, I, I So I kind of talked about a little bit on the, uh, you know, on those wild Bears Twitter sh- streets going into the season. There's kind of a, you know, you get the advantage as a new offensive play caller the first couple weeks. Um, what that number is specifically, I think, is, you know, could be anyone's guess. But those first two, three, four weeks, um, you have an advantage because, there's there's no tape on you, right? There, there's nothing to chart if you're a defensive game planner. 
Um, so you see a lot of teams play a lot of very stock, very basic defenses and just try to react in game because you can't specifically game plan to tape that does not exist. Yeah, we saw that with Nagy a little bit too. If you remember back, I mean, boy, we we thought we had that guru, you know, the first couple of weeks. We had the um, you know, they came out what they put up 28 points in the first half of that Green Bay game. Um, and we saw that start to go away as teams compile tape and tendencies and down distance, what he wanted to do. Um, so I, I think Luke Getsy's kind of seeing a similar thing. Um, I think early on, we'll th- you know, throw the San Francisco game out just with weather. I, I don't think there's much there to really evaluate. Um, but specifically in Green Bay and in, in even a little bit in Houston, I think early on he did a lot to protect those tackles. Uh, really the whole offensive line, but you know they, they weren't they were going six and a half or seven in protection almost every single time. Cole Komet was basically a third offensive tackle like through the first three weeks. They, they might as well have just put um, Reef out there for him because, I mean, the guy pass protected and sometimes, you know, check released three, four seconds into the rep. Um, and, and just like you said, Joe, I, I think we're going to see more of, and we started to even see last week, is, you know, that's not going to fly. I, teams are not going to, you know, teams are going to blitz more. I mean, I, I know New York's aggressive kind of by nature, but, you know, t- teams aren't afraid of these five-man routes because, I, I mean, Kenny Clark told you every time he drops back, unless it's a screen, we're hitting him. I mean, he kind of gave away the game. That's that's going to be um, the game plan going forward. And, I, I mean, every week that they throw for under 100 yards, I mean, I know last week was a little bit better. That's just you're going to see more and more loaded fronts. We're, we're Bears fans. We've seen this over and over. You know, we know what happens when you can't pass. More guys in the box. Outside of Lovey Smith, who's so married to that middle field open cover two that he's never going to bring another guy down. But I would expect Minnesota to be playing eight-man fronts until they prove they can beat him. So how do you – I mean, we t- I mean, I don't know if everybody watched the Trent Dilfer video, but he spoke a little bit about what the Bears are going to have to do to more or less continue to hide this offensive line. <clears throat> also talked – our fields talked a little bit about in his press conference uh, calling out the correct, not necessarily the correct protections because he may have been protecting people or may have not been calling people out specifically, but I guess what, what can they do to, I mean, we all know that this isn't going to be a a winning year or a, uh, you know, concern about making the playoffs or anything like that, but, providing an environment for fields to successfully uh grow with patrick or you know at least grow his nfl uh prowess what can the bears do up front to at least give him a fighting chance if it is it you know running more you know dilfer mentioned passing more out of you know run type down in distances so first down second down and short third and short or slide protection so that you know you're you're moving those gaps what would you do michael to to kind of give gust or give uh give fields a, a fighting chance i mean i i think that's pretty spot on it's the the first thing i've been asking for you know and i don't i don't claim to be some nfl coach and chart and break things down like the good old days but on, on the face, I would I would like to see some traditional play action 
on first down. This this play action backdoor or you know the naked boot that I hear it described as a lot that for variety of reasons maybe we can get into later that's that's not going to be there until they can do some other things we see teams playing a force contain on the backside and coming straight up the field to uh greet him as he carries out the fake um but yeah sh- you know show me a flash fake you know quick play action freeze those linebackers hit somebody right behind them when they're you know when when they're not leaning forward a little bit you know they're they're eager to get to those run fits uh the other thing that they're gonna have to figure out you know, I don't know if you guys have noticed this watching games is they've got to figure out some semblance of the quick game. They've got to be able to do it and they can't right now. Um, and I'm not saying you go full, you know, West Coast and we're going to complete 80, per, you know, 80 percent of 40 on 40 attempts. But when's the last time that you guys remember Justin Fields just hitting the back of his drop or top of his drop, I should say, throwing the ball on time on target? I mean, it's like once a game. It's like once a game, but it's not. It's not pretty. It's, right, it's right. Not pretty. And you know, people get all angry and upset. You know, by any semblance of being critical of Justin Fields. This isn't a, you know, this isn't a Justin Fields critical statement on itself. It's you know, in order to you know, I'm going to take the snap, whether I'm under center in the gun, I'm going to execute that footwork. One, two, three, bang, balls out. I mean you know the quarterback has to get the right pre-snap you know has to go through the right mechanics the line the center can't give up an a-gap runner or something ridiculous like that and the receiver has to win that route i mean you know there's a lot that goes into it they can't get one of the three right now let alone three of the three but uh, the modern nfl you have to be able to do that um and that's going to slow down the pass rush that's going to you know, affect what kind of fronts that you're going to see and how they're going to fit and get that extra guy out of the box. Um, but you got to be able to do it first. Exactly. And, and what, with the circumstances as they currently are, you know, all right, I'm going to admit it. I'm a, I'm a field apologist. I am. But as, as the cir- circumstances as they currently are, how can you evaluate this kid being, oh, he's bad. Oh, he's good. Where like, even take a measurement of where he is with your offensive line in shambles. You're not getting any sort of separation uh, on the outside. And even if you are getting separation and you're getting the ball put in your fucking hands, Dante Pettis uh, down the sidelines, you're dropping it. And so how can you, how can we take the, the, the next uh, thir- yeah, 13 games and so, and decide because that's what this is all about. Deciding do we is Fields going to be the future? Do we build around him? Do we need to you know do other things? And obviously we do need to do other things with the offensive line and the receiving weapons. But how do we do? How do we take the next thirteen games and evaluate Justin Fields? Well, Joe, I don't know if you listened to to the Trent Dilfer interview with Six Seventy the score in Chicago. It was it's pretty insightful, but. Dilfer basically said you grade him um, despite or outside of his situation. So he said this was Fields easily his best game of the year, and he gave him a grade in the mid-80s. And he said he was just looking for, um, you know, his decision-making mostly and um, the kind of, uh, you know, what plays he flashed on. And he said he had multiple plays where he had double pluses, means he really flashed or did something exceptional. And for the most part, he was looking through the right reads and stuff. So I guess as the coaching staff, you know, they, they understand the line's bad. They understand these wide receivers suck. I mean, they, they basically just have to, to make sure Fields is 
kind of processing this this stuff right and doing what he can despite the situation um you know i know we can say you know mitch is obviously a controversial topic but one of the reasons he he got ran out of chicago was he he struggled to read defenses so definitely going through progressions i think is probably going to be massive in in field development and what they think of him this year um you know and i don't really think they care about the stat sheet but I also don't know how Ryan Poles feels. He could definitely be stacking an unfair deck against Fields and then get his own guy for all I know. I, I have no clue. But Well, my second part of that be... question, is, and anybody can answer this, is how do we protect Fields from getting David Card? From just getting crushed and seeing, you know, oh, I'm seeing ghosts in the pocket. You know, Sam Darnold, I'm seeing ghosts. Like, how do we keep him from falling into into that place in his development? I don't know. We're not there already. He already he's already pretty jumpy in the pocket. I mean, and it, you you it's understandable, you know, with a failure rate over fifty percent of getting pressured, you understand that he wants to move quickly to make a decision. Uh, I wish he would make a little bit more of a, a step up and and move decision rather than a lateral decision we've seen like he got out of a few this week where he rolled out uh outside the tackle box and was able to make something of it but a lot of times we'll see him roll right into a defensive end so i understand you know he has he has to move he has to get out protect himself and, and try to make a play out of it um but he does seem to be itchy in the pocket for sure already Yeah, I was going to say pretty much the same thing, Chris. Um, I, I mean, I, I think we're starting to see semblance of that pretty clearly. He's He's got a tendency to bail out of clean pockets. Granted, those clean pockets are statistical unicorns. But, you know, there are times each week, and they, the one or two times will always make their way to Twitter um, or, you know, wherever else, uh, that he bails out of clean pockets with, routes that are eventually coming open. Um, you saw it a couple times last week, you know, the seam shot down the middle of the Mooney that everybody's talked about. Well, he didn't throw it because he was, he was already gone. I, I, you know, he had already committed to getting out of the pocket and running. And that's the other point that I wanted to uh, make is part of the development, which you would hope a second year quarterback would be able to develop. I, I don't know that he has, the protection too is you know you want to see him move within the pocket you, you know you want to see him move within the pocket to still throw the ball it's i know he runs a four two he, i still think that his greatest asset is his arm I, I mean you know that that guy can just stripe one 25 yards on a rope from off platform like and you still see that you know come up where I, I would love to see him moving within the pocket you know extending those plays subtly to you know flashy arm but yeah he just I, it's tough to blame him. I mean, you know that the coaches are in his ear all week, you know, telling him you can't take these hits, you got to protect yourself. You know those conversations are being had. Um, but to Joe's point, it sounds like Joe understood the assignment where uh, I'm not sure Ryan Poles did because the assignment for this year was to allow your the most talented quarterback prospect that this franchise has seen in 100 years to develop, to give him the environment to develop, and to be able to fairly evaluate him. But 
I mean, I, I don't see either one of those things happening right now. I, I think we're going to have this conversation probably in April of next year, and we're going to try to figure out whether, you know, were they that bad or was, was Fields bad or did they ruin him or is he really good? He just, he, you know, we've been down this road before, and I think we're headed right back down it, um, you know, conversation-wise for the next year. Yeah, it feels like, I mean, I I don't want to uh, make parallels to Justin and Mitchell, but it feels like the Mitchell conversation all over again. Is it naggy? Is it not enough weapons? Is it this? Is it that? And, and ultimately, as someone who was on a, on the Mitchell side of things, and I always am going to be pro player, and, 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 you know, I kept, oh, he's going to get it right. He's just going to get a good play caller. And I'm going to see myself doing the same damn thing. Oh, we just got to get a tackle. We got to get a center. We got to get a wide receiver. Oh, Jackson Smith and Jigba. Oh, Jordan Addison. Like, that's going to be the fix. And, uh, you know, I was confidently in some of those camps, but Sunday was really, really, really hard for me to swallow. I thought that it was uh, one of the uglier displays. And and I don't want to jump off the band, uh, jump off any ships four games in because I don't really know that four games is a, a huge sample size, but it's a very concerning look that if it continues and let's be honest, the likely outcome is yes, it will continue. Uh, uh, that puts us in a scary place in uh, three or four more months. It's, it's, it's hard to watch negative narratives over the off season play out, uh, especially when, I mean, like like Joe said, you know, being optimistic about your team, um, but at the same time, still seeing what people are are saying, you know, on on Twitter, with not addressing the offensive line, not addressing pass catchers, things like that. Uh, yeah, guys can work out. I mean, there's been some open routes, uh, but. It's, it hasn't been consistent enough. There hasn't he hasn't had enough time back there. Of course he's going to get jumpy, but like the throw to Pring or throw to Pettis, Pettis has to make that play. Uh, there was a throw to you know Mooney last week that he dropped. Um, there's been some. I mean, guys aren't getting good enough separation. Guys aren't like true playmakers. So, I mean, I thought Dan Orlovsky's. Uh, rant this morning was a little much. Um, you know, Mooney's not a three. Cole Komet is still serviceable. Uh, he may not be the best tight end on the planet, but he can still do some good things. He's not, you know, Travis Kelsey by any means or George Kittle, but uh, but Mooney's not the one that Bears Twitter convinced themselves. <sighs> be. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know where. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I definitely don't agree with that. I never said, I never thought he was more than a 1A at best, probably a two, but he's not a three. You know, he's not a slot receiver, you know, piece of the puzzle, in my opinion, but um, not addressing the offensive line and, and giving Fields a, a shot to, to play is it puts a, it puts a lot of pressure on coaches too. I mean, you can't run a lot of the schemes that you want to run or a lot of the routes you want to run because you're spending too much time making sure your quarterback doesn't die. Yeah. I feel like Getsy's catching a lot of heat for no reason, honestly, off of that point. I, like I mean, a lot of people criticize this and that that he does, but 
You, like there's only so much he can do. You told you've talked about this a little bit, Lucas, in in you know having Eberflus as a pretty conservative, defensive minded, don't lose the ball kind of head coach. Uh, that third and two run into the nine man box or whatever is pretty pretty freaking ugly. Um, and if all right, I, so that play is a perfect example of what Michael was talking about earlier using play action. If they use play action on that play, they could have probably scored a touchdown. The Giants right. were, were bringing everybody. They there was no holding back on that. I mean, it's just in in it's very predictable that the Bears want to run and then they don't change it. But again, I think Eberflus, like you said, has a part in that because he's playing to not turn the ball over and play the field possession game, which ironically we didn't get the ball back because VJ fumbled. They're going to have to give Fields more check with me type control to check out of that shit. You, you come up to the line and see nine dudes staring you in the face. Feel free to not do that. Okay. If you see something stupid, fucking check out of it and let somebody you know, like make a play, you know, be a playmaker. Yeah, t- absolutely right. And, and two points that I have on that. Number one, I'll, I'll ask you guys this. So the third and two, the pair of third and sixes inside the high red zone where they chose again to run the ball at a pretty heavy front for their set. Uh, we'll go back last week, giving up on two third and tens, you know, inside your own territory and just, you know, screen or run and punt. Do you think that's Luke Getzey or do you think that Luke Getzey's headset's going off is, is, you know, that play, it's time for that play to come in and Eberflus is, you know, hey, you know, we're, we're playing for three here. We're running the ball. We're, you know, we're not going to make a mistake. We're going to, we're going to screen it and, and kick it. Um, just cause I have that, never met an absolutely, absolutely gone through Eberflus, I think. Yep. I mean, that's what I think. I have, look, I've never met an offensive coach at any level from peewee up through, you know, you know, the professionals that I've had the privilege of listening to talk philosophy on, um, that doesn't have a call on their sheet for third and six. Uh, most of them probably will give you 35 different calls out of 11 different sets. That they, I just, I don't buy that. He looked at that and said, yeah, yeah, we're, you know, we're just give up, kick a field goal here. I think that came from above him. Which is sad. I mean, especially with the <clears throat> language that we heard from Eberflus coming out, you know, when they asked him if he'd be calling defensive plays, he's like, no. You know, I'm a CEO type coach. Essentially, I let my coordinators do what they do. And if that's not what I mean, that's even worse hamstring on the offense when you're a defensive guy, you know, and coming to play conservative and whatnot. I mean, <clears throat> maybe to a degree, you give that overarching philosophy, but don't be micromanaging and say it and doing it on every driver, every play or whatever. So, yeah, I agree. It, 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 it could definitely be some micromanagement going on there. The yeah, other thing about that third and two is that they ran knowing they would punt in fourth down. So they ran with the possibility of not getting it into a nine-man box and then punted when they were in four-down territory with the game on the line. That's what makes me think Eberflus was good because he's probably saying oh, we got a punt here and flip the field with three minutes to go. So I don't know. The whole thing is frustrating. That part, that aspect of it. Yeah. Look, I mean, I'll just you know, I'll be blunt about this. 
Eberflus through a quarter of his first season, and there's plenty of time in the books not written and all the all the other you know qualifiers that you need. This he looks like a coach that is that is just ripped right out of the late '90s to early 2000s. He looks like a defensive guy that's running the Tampa two that went away. Um, I don't know, 20 years ago and believes in that philosophy of, you know, the hits principle, that's a modern spin on a pretty old philosophy um, that wants to keep games close and flip the field and make sure his team doesn't make a mistake. And then, you know, hope at the end of the game that Devin Hester returns a punt. I just, I don't think he realizes that, you know, he doesn't have Devin Hester, Brian Erlacher or Mike Brown on this team. Yeah, he's I, a, he's say, I think he's a he's a Bears type coach. I mean, he's an old school Bears McCaskey type coach. You know, grind it and run the ball, play defense. I mean, that's exactly who he is, Gus. You're 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 100 right. I was gonna say I don't. I know some people were kind of giving him some flack for the the hits philosophy and whatever. You know, it's. To me, I don't think it's really even relatable to Nat, Nagy's BU. I think, you know, I, I do believe in, you know, I do think he has the players more motivated with that. I mean, they have seven turnovers through four games, which is pretty damn impressive for, I mean, a defense without a defensive line and, and subpar linebackers and some rookie rookies in the secondary. So, um, you know, I, I don't necessarily think, I guess in a way, I, I like the hits philosophy and that kind of stuff, but I do think he needs to, even if he is being a CEO type coach, he needs to kind of adapt to modern analytics and stuff like that. It's going to be a long 14 weeks. Yeah, I don't, uh, Lucas, I, I agree. I don't have a problem with the his philosophy in theory. I don't have a problem with the hustle. Like Joe, I mean, you and I have talked about this a lot, you know, discipline. Except and... when they don't hustle for a fumble. <sighs> that was bad. Listen. When Fields fumbles in the I've whole lived, line. I've, just I've lived through some fucking terrible instances where they watched a fumble sit on the ground, especially like in Green Bay. I don't, I, we're just not, we're just going to skip over that. Okay. I'm not fucking talking about it. But uh, yeah. Uh, I don't have a problem with the hits philosophy in general, making these guys play hard, but it has to be with the uh, modern NFL game. You know, continue to grow. Don't just work hard, hustle for three fucking points. I mean, work hard, hustle, and kick the shit out of people. Yeah, I would like... uh... I would like hits. Maybe we could add, maybe Eberflus could workshop this and add another acronym where I, vertical offense maybe comes in there somewhere too. Uh, hits VO. I, I don't know. We're going to have to workshop that one. But but yeah, I mean, in principle, I agree with it. Um, you know, I, I do think that that's valuable and you can win a lot of games, you know, just by being more disciplined. But it can't just be a catchphrase when things aren't going well and, uh, well, we signed a lesser player because of hits. That guy wouldn't hit good in hits. Um, you have to actually do it. Like you said, when the ball's on the ground and all five offensive linemen are looking at the ball, or how about, you know, when Kyle Gordon um, pops the ball out and proceeds to stand over the guy while somebody else, well, three other Bears jerseys are standing there, and the guy who's laying out of bounds doesn't know the rules and recovers the fumble to give it back to the offense. 
I mean, we you have to execute on it. It can't just be a catchphrase that you deflect criticism with. I agree, but I do think uh, I don't know. I, I would say the defense definitely looks like they're getting the turnovers that we were kind of almost promised in the preseason. So that that's that's good to see, but. He definitely needs to maybe just take a step back with the offense and and leave it to Getzey and the other guys who have uh, you know more experience on that side of the ball. Yeah, I just want I want a new hits can be for the defense. I want Getzey to have a new acronym that says something about passing for more than a hundred yards a game and and ter- you know leaving the nineteen sixties style behind. That's all. So while while we're here, I guess I I should ask you. How do you throw for more yards though when your offensive line and receivers are this bad? Is it even possible? The short answer, I, the short answer in 2022, that uh, so I, I mean I know going into last week they were averaging about 80 yards a game passing. That, I'm, that average is probably around 100 now. I'm no math major. Um, I'm not a math major. <laughs> It has to, uh, it has to be above. It, you know, it has to be better than that. But you're right. There's so many limitations on that that, you know, you, it, it would take superhuman play from the quarterback, or maybe not superhuman. It would take really, really good quarterback play to do so. And again, you know, we're talking about a second year guy that's supposed to be developing, and you know, we're throwing to practice squad wide receivers with offensive linemen that probably should, you know, be glorified blocking dummies on most teams uh, that, that would not be protecting the franchise quarterback. That's for sure. I am a little surprised. I don't go quick game more. Um, you know, I would definitely like to see, you know, you're talking about the deep passes. I definitely don't think gets, he runs enough quick slants and stuff like that. Just like you should get the ball out of field's hands quicker. Maybe the wide receivers aren't good enough to run that kind of stuff, but I feel like guys like, the big physical guys they have would be awesome, you know, on slants running down the field. But well, you think about it with the quick game, and this is a pretty—I don't want to say misconception, but I guess I'll just add a different perspective to it. Um, the quick game, in a lot of senses, is harder to execute than some—not deeper, but some middle two window developing um, intermediate passing game. Because so you think about quick game, right? Everyone knows. You know, like you said, the quick slant out of the slot. Well, you know, what do we have to do to, you know, to execute that? You got to get their hands down. Right. In the modern NFL, we have to make the right pre-snap decision. We have to see the coverage correctly or, you know, the play's dead. You know, it. hopefully, you know, you don't throw it and, you know, you just end up throwing it away. Worst case scenario, it's going to be a quick interception. So the quarterback has to do that. They have to, you know, execute some – acute footwork so you, you know a little three-step game or it, there's so many different shotgun mechanics I, you, whatever your mechanic you got a shotgun for a quick game it, the offensive line like joe said has to keep people out of that throwing lane because you know the three-step game is, is where you see those tip interceptions and then the wide receiver has to win on his route be it a release be it a sight adjustment it, you know they have to create that window and all of that has to happen in two seconds i just don't think any part of that is conducive to what the Bears have right now. I mean, I, I frankly, to answer your question, I, I think they're going to have to live and die with the deep ball. You know, I think that's Justin's strength. I think they have some guys with some physical attributes that 
you know, hopefully can get behind someone and they're probably going to, you know, they're going to need a couple 50 yard plays to Mooney to have a respectable offense. I just, it's not going to, I just, I don't see, this is not the team I see completing 70% of their passes at, at 10 yards a pop. So my Michael, yeah. what's, what's the possibility of running the football the way that the bears did uh, against the Packers on about three for three separate drives. And then, you know, last week against the Texans ran the ball pretty decently as well. Just making that the focus. It's going to get harder and harder each week to do that until you it, it just you don't have to have a prolific passing game. It, you know, you don't have to be Kansas City, but until you can convince defenses that they have to align honestly, you know, that they can't bring an alley defender down into the box, you, you know, to have an extra player actually fitting the run. Uh, you're, you're just, the boxes are going to get heavier and heavier and heavier each week. We saw that with New York. I mean, I, you know, again, I know they're aggressive by nature, but yeah, we saw a nine man box on third and two once. I mean, that's, that's a high school, <laughs> that, that's a high school front, you know, but the, the, they played and yeah, like I said, I, I think, you know, Green Bay throw out that first film. I think they were playing some pretty stock defense and, you know, making some adjustments on the fly, not to take anything away. I think Getsy has a pretty diverse, um, he calls a pretty diverse run game. Their offensive line can move some people uh, in, in the run game. That's with the benefit, I think, of some lighter boxes. Again, Houston's never. Houston sucks. Really going to bring that extra guy down. Well, he's too, you know, he's too committed to that. Yeah, that too high look. Um, and, and then we saw, you know, with a, as each week as you get a little bit more tape and it becomes a little bit more evident, they really struggle to pass the ball. And, but they, you know, they're running successfully and that's their focus. That box got a little heavier in New York. I mean, let's, I would anticipate Minnesota, you know, is that it's going to be equally heavy, if not more. You're, you know, hey, we're Bears fans. We've seen this movie before. By midseason, you're just going to have teams lining up, you know, and well, plus one for that, you know, minus one from our perspective fronts where they have an extra guy and just hey you want to you want to throw the ball outside one-on-one -on -one, do it you know until you can do that we're, we're not getting out of this so that's you know that's that's going to be the challenge that's what they're going to do uh, are we ready to move on to, to, to minnesota we're 40 minutes into this slot well hey you know if we still had that you know guy that signed with the Rams, Allen Robinson, he'd be able to win those one on one matches. Oh my outside. God, fuck off. <laughs> Come on, man. He's got like nine receptions in four games on each. Allen Robinson would have a would have a pulled a pulled <coughs> hamstring and be sitting out for six weeks right now. He, he wouldn't in order fit to not deal with this offense. He wouldn't fit the hits philosophy. He's too, uh, he's too lazy. Anyway, yeah, let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. I almost said Timberwolves because basketball starting in, like, no time at all. But I don't know where the hell that came from. Uh, Vikings time. So, can they <laughs> – this offense is going to smoke the shit out of this defense, too. Justin Jefferson is going to just absolutely annihilate everyone. Uh, unless Jalen Johnson is somehow back, and then I still think they find a way to get him on Kyler Gordon, and he smokes him. 
Well, even if even if Jalen Johnson covers Jefferson, Gordon will still have to cover Thielen. Gordon is so bad. He played better last game. No. He was fun, they had him tallied. They had him tallied for one reception for eight yards. I don't know how true that is. I thought he got beat, but I also didn't watch the, the tape yet. I mean, he also committed an intelligent, and that I think is the part that's being missed, an intelligent 45-yard penalty because he was smoked, and he just took the receiver down, which good on him, he saved a touchdown. Bad on him, he was in that position to begin with. Slayton wasn't going to catch that ball no matter what. That guy sucks. <laughs> but still, you're right. Yeah, yeah. in theory, uh, right? Anyone who played uh, even middle school DB knows the oh shit drill, right? You know, you get to a point where we are tackling them, and that's just how it's going to be. I forgot. I forgot about that play, actually. <laughs> um, yeah, it's going to be a rough week. The... Uh, Obviously, this will be the Dalvin Cook breakout week as well, since oh yeah, anyone us four could run on the Bears probably if we assemble the backfield. Um, yeah, they are good everywhere we were, where we are bad. They have one of the best pass rushes in the NFL right now. Awesome. Um, the run game's gonna get going probably, and then yes, they're gonna they're gonna put some uh, get some mismatches on Kyler Gordon. I don't think we played a receiving core like this all year yet. I mean, we played the 49ers in a monsoon, but this is, yeah, this is just not a good matchup for the Bears. Oh, Although I, do, I will say, I feel like these games where we have zero, absolutely zero expectations for the Bears, they will probably show more fight than we think for a little bit. What's the line? Vikings by 17? Seven. Seven. It's going to be ugly. Bears are going to score nine points. Yeah, this... You know what? In, if we're looking for interesting things in a game that may not be very interesting, you know, on what the result ends up being, I want to see how Eberflus specifically approaches this because... Hiding in your 1980s defensive shell and being safe and not making the mistake is going to get you beat by 40. Um, so, you know, I want to see, does he, you know, do they take some shots? Do, do they, they haven't been very good, I don't think, at acknowledging what they are um, going all the way back to the springtime. But do they just acknowledge, hey, we are overmatched and, you know, we're going to be hyper aggressive and we're going to try to steal a few here? Or are they just going to? try to lose graciously by 35 instead of 50. I don't know. This will be the game where we, like, they show us, they either show us something or they get the fucking shit kicked out of them. I mean, that's that's pretty much where uh, where we're at. And I don't think the Vikings are honestly that good. But No, but they match up with us really well. Well, it's easy to match up with a high school football team. Go ahead, Lucas. What you we want to expand on the matchup? Uh, I don't no, know. I mean, I, oh, I'll, I'll watch. I don't know. I'm, I'm telling you, I think I feel like every time this these type of games happens, the the Bears or the opponent always surprises people. So maybe maybe they'll show some sort of life here. 
Where is the pass rush last week, by the way? I mean, can we get some sacks on Kirk Cousins? Well, Danny Dimes can run the ball, man. Dude, the fact that that guy had two touchdowns and the Bears were just not containing him, that was outrageous. Yes! Just a stupid game plan. Just stupid. Not only that, those Giants quarterbacks, like, they let themselves open to some massive, like, they don't slide or do anything to get out of the way. They'll just get crushed. I'm surprised, like, one of the safeties didn't fucking rip them apart during the game. I mean, Tyrod got hurt immediately, but, like, both them dudes, they don't slide. Like, they were leaving themselves vulnerable. I'm surprised the Bears didn't take some huge hits at them. Because we're a soft football team. Buried down the list of uh, all the other things that, you know, we wish were better about our beloved Bears is their front four is bad, man. Their front four is bad, bad. And it just, it doesn't come to light because there's so many other things to worry about. But everyone, four, three, three, four, I'm so tired of people. Like, they moved to a one-gap system, and that's the difference. They were playing a two-gap out of a 30 front. They went to a one-gap system, which, again, kind of goes back to the 1980s defensive philosophy. But, I mean, these guys can't just, you know, execute basic gap integrity. The force defender, the outside contained player. Uh, how were how we letting Dan- Danny Jones just uncontested around the edge? Just nobody there. They're gone. And you see it a lot in the run game, too. Just guys jumping out of their gaps and then, you do that against Delvin Cook, kind of like you said. I mean, you're not – he's gone. You're, you're not getting a second shot at it. So, yeah, pass rush, you know, stop the run something from someone. Uh, what's, uh, what's, what, what's Quinn's value here on the open market right now? Because uh, I'm uh, – Take I'm, it. Yeah, I'm, I'll take it, whatever. <laughs> he needs to get a few more sacks and stay healthy for a few weeks. Trade Roquan also. Trade everybody of value. Break it all down. Commit to this damn rebuild if that's what you're going to do. Commit to being shitty. Uh, I know, Michael, this is a little bit off topic. I mean, not really, but I wanted to ask you earlier. We were talking about how bad the line is, and you mentioned bad tackles. Do you think Braxton Jones could potentially be a franchise tackle for the Bears or from what you've seen so far, absolutely not. No, I mean, I think he could. I just, I, I think it's, man, I'll, I won't say we, because I, I don't think anyone here in this little, um, this little group that we have right here is part of it. But there were a lot of general expectations that were bought into, you know, over the spring and summer that just are silly. And Braxton Jones is one of them. I mean, we're, we're talking about a day three rookie who who was just given the left tackle job day one um i hey i think braxton jones has some really rare physical attributes that you look for um i think he flashes some nice technique and you know you see it like there was a play on the goal line this is super right i don't expect anybody probably even listening to be able to remember this but you know there there was a play on the goal line that where he just got a really good chunk. Um, it, it was last week against the Texans. He just got a really good chunk. It, it drove his guy a couple yards in the end zone and finished. I mean, there was a pile, so he had some help finishing, but just finished him, you know, kind of an exclamation park on top of it. You see, so there's some really good things there. You know, 
all the nice stuff out of the way, he's been really, really bad, specifically in pass pro. And I mean, he's he's a day three rookie. He's a probably always was a project. You, you know, you drafted him because he's got some really, really rare physicals that could develop into something special one day. And he's a little raw in technique. And, you know, I, th- I think we've seen that. Um, to his defense, Borum has not been much better. Uh, I was going to say, Borum has not been good. No. And see, people, I'm sure, you know, get all mad listening to this. And PFF has him graded the number probably maybe the best line since the 80s Cowboys, I think they had him at last week. But I, for all the hate Luke, Luke gets, he gets, uh, he's done a pretty good job hiding those tackles to this point. I mean, they don't go, they don't go five, you know, they don't go scat. Everything is six, six and a half in protection. Um, that problem with that, kind of like we talked about earlier, I, I think teams are getting wise to it and you're, you know, you're limiting the concepts available. You know, if you're keeping six or even seven into pass protector, you're keeping six in, you know, you get that half pass protector by the check and release, you know, like, like combat, you know, where, where you chip and release to the flat we see, or the running backs that are, um, you know, doing some kind of delayed releases, they help out the tackles. I mean, that just, that limit, that limits the concepts you can call. I mean, you can't, you know, commit can't chip and release and then run, you know, a, a two breaking over with three different windows to hit them. Like it just, the, the timing doesn't work. So, um, yeah, they've, uh, <laughs> they've got a long way to go, a lot to be desired there. But I, I think for Justin's sake, you're going to have to keep protecting them, hiding them, if you will, in pass, bro. I hate them. I hate them all. All right. I got two, two questions. One question, we'll go around the horn. And then two, we'll give our predictions for the Vikings game. Sing the song. First, I would like each of you, right now, October 4th at 1024 Eastern Time p.m., do you guys think Justin Fields will develop to be a franchise quarterback for the Chicago Bears? Yes. Fuck. Yes, hundred yes. percent. Yes, yes is what my, my my heart lead me. Yes, yes, as long as they do not ruin him this year. Well, yeah, that's that's part of the equation. Do you think he'll be ruined? Slash, do you think maybe he's just not good enough? I mean, that's all part of it. So I'll say if this. You got to tell me now. My answer is yes. I do think that he'll develop into one. Um, I say that cautiously. What I do know for sure is if he does not develop into one, it never had anything to do with ability. It was 100% a malpractice of development. Uh, for sure. I, I personally believe he will develop into one as well. I think, you know, when we talk about the dim cars and those type of guys, there's just, I don't know, there's something about fields. I feel like the guy is just built different. I feel like his mentality is different. He approaches things different every week. He he doesn't, you know, normally hang his head on stuff too long. So I just think the way Fields is wired will help him get to that next level. So I want to say yes. Plus, I think his flashes now are like last week. I thought, so you will about the stat sheet or whatever. I, I thought he played a pretty damn good game. Just that you see these two or three throws every week and you're like, oh, my God. If they if they even put some stuff around this guy, he'll be really good. So 
have faith, especially after seeing Jalen Hurts develop like he has. That silence was pretty brutal, though, after your question. There's a lot of hesitance in the room. It makes you think. <laughs> My hesitance is around for the Chicago Bears. Yes, I mean, that's what it's about. It's not about fields. It's about exactly what Gus was just saying, what Mike was just saying. Like, the Bears could really easily ruin him this year. You, you talk about, will he be a franchise quarterback? And you said for the Bears. I think he could be a franchise quarterback. Shoot, he could leave us after after his fourth year if the fifth-year option doesn't get picked up and go to and name a team. And be who? <laughs> I said Pittsburgh as a joke. You know, I mean, yeah, name a team, and he and uh, it can look completely different. Uh, well, just the situation I think is, you know, it's the it's early rebuttal is starting to not work anymore because we've seen a, about a quarter, you know, a quarter by last year's standards um, of the season. Man, if this went on for another quarter if we got to the halfway mark and it still looks the way that it does right now with the nose guard racking up nine pressures in a game getting sacked six times looking like he's starting to see ghosts i mean you see his body language on the sideline sometimes after he takes four or five hits in a series would he would it be more beneficial if he just didn't play the second half I mean, that's that's the level of dysfunction that he's out there in, right? It's a crazy question to even ask. Someone posed it to me today, and, you know, your initial reaction is, no, that's crazy, and then you start to think about it, and you go, mm, I mean, are they doing more damage than good right now with him? Simeon, quarterback one. Simeon back there. Great. I'm not saying that. I'm saying the first time he has a minor injury because of this negligent offensive line. Um, I think there should be some discussions on do we put him back shut him down. Yeah, do we throw him back out there to be sacrificed? Give I, me I, Simeon I, or give me death. All right. Well, the uh, the Vikings are at home. They are favored by seven points. The over under is forty three and a half. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm a little surprised. Seven points does not seem. Wait, that hang, crazy on, touchdown. hang on, Lucas. Uh, is the over under for just the Vikings 43 and a half? Because I mean, I think they oh, might... no, no. <laughs> can we get negative points? Is that what they're projecting? I'm confused. Oh, oh man, my god, it's gonna be wrong. Does 27 to 9 Vikings. Vikings team total over 43 and a half? Is the, is the, is the oh, I think 27 the, the Bears. Myself? I don't know. The Bears team totals at 17 and a half, so. There's no way. No shot. No. Take the under. So, I, I'm going 27-9 Vikings. Nah, the Bears are going to score this week. Nine if Monty points. plays, I think the – I think the uh, this isn't really talked about a lot, but Khalil Herbert is such a bad pass protector. David Montgomery's – is is probably the, one of the Bears' best blockers, to be honest. Krug, uh, what you got? Uh, yeah. Uh, let's 
Let's see here. 28-10 Vikings. Uh, Not much different. That's fine. I got 31, uh, 31-13 and Bears get a uh, garbage time cheapy late. Yes. Something that So they have six points before that? Yeah, 31-6 is probably what we're really looking at. <sighs> my God. I'm going to shoot myself in the head watching this game. <laughs> oh, my God, dude. <laughs> All right, I'm going to say uh, 27-17 Vikings. I think the Bears will move the ball a little bit a little bit in this game. By penalty? What about an Arm- Armand Watts revenge game? Like oh, great. No, Amir Smith, Amir Smith-Marset. Has he even seen the field this year? Yeah, like a bunch. Like at least two snaps a game, mostly on special teams. Are we going to see Bayless Jones and lock the offense? Fuck that motherfucker. <laughs> Dude, the funniest thing on Twitter. This, I, it, it's funny now. Everyone was like, where's Bayless Jones? Why isn't he starting? Where's Bayless Jones? And then he gets in the game, just drops that fucking punt. And then people are just like, oh, where's Bayless Jones? <laughs> I mean, Bayless, everyone promised me this big impact play. They didn't tell me that the impact play was going to be for the Giants, though. They left that detail out when they were promising me these things. He unlocks the offense. Uh, yeah, he certainly Man, he was ready for the league. He came in with exper- as an experienced player. Man, oh, it's a it's been a rough guy, goal for, it's been a rough goal for the uh, Ryan Poles addition to the crappy wide receiver room. I mean, oh, Byron Pringle's only stat is one arrest. Bayless Jones' only impact play is for the Giants. So, I, what are we doing here? Dante Pettis has a touchdown. He yes. does. Wait till Nikhil Harry. Wait, wait till Nikhil Harry steps on the field. You'll be proven wrong. Oh my yeah. god! ESB can block. He can. Oh. I mean, so could Reef if you put him out there and probably get similar results. And oh, oh my god! Can Reef catch them? Yeah, gonna... I mean, we might. We might have. We might, you might be honest with you. Hey, I, I mean, since we're just throwing out these ridiculous what ifs, if we had drafted George Pickens over Kyler Gordon, do you then oh. played him in the at the nickel? Do you think he'd give up as many yards to right now? Or... <laughs> yeah, I honestly, I think if the Bears drafted Pickens. He might like already have just refused to play for the team. <laughs> oh, those, those character issues on this team would, yeah, he probably would. You should be. You see what they're playing with ready. Mitch, dude? He's like fucking throwing his hands up and like slamming his helmet when Mitch doesn't throw to him. Like Jesus Christ, dude! Imagine like that, him in this yeah, offense. Name of him watching the draft would be would be him. You know, every single after every single six sack series on the sidelines. Yeah. I, I'm not even joking when I say he would probably literally refuse to play for the Bears. <laughs> he would have fought Eddie Jackson already. <laughs> he would already be back at Georgia. I mean, he would just show up one day and throw on a helmet. <laughs> I'm red shirting. I'm so oh man. Well, while we're speaking of Georgia, I know Bears fans are gonna be really, really, really upset when we have a top five pick. And they, yeah, and they take a three technique. You know it's coming too. And you'll like the I, same I, uh, sunshine peddlers on Twitter talking about how this, this three technique is really going to help Justin Fields. I know it. Jackson Smith and Jigba. Please. Someone. It is a good receiver class. 
Jordan Addison, please. Yeah, we need like four of them, so, you know, thank God. We can trade down a lot. Yeah, that's, 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 that's the plan. See, I mean, good thing that there's depth because they're going to have to take one in like each of the first four rounds and figure out two tackles, too. Polls might acquire 11 picks in the first round next year. Like just trading down in the first round, like he did this year. He'll, he'll do it all on day one, though. That's fine. <laughs> That's dude. Like, like I was telling you with those ridiculous mock drafts that people were doing, where they would trade everything to get the first pick overall, and then they would just trade back a bunch and end up with like six first round years and four seconds, and it's just like ridiculous. That's gonna be polls, man. And he's going to be a money. I, I can already tell he's probably going to be a Ballard guy. He's going to be a money hoarder. All these guys are talking about the 150 million they have, and he's going to spend like 30 of it. <laughs> you got to pay for Arlington Heights somehow, buddy. <laughs> well, actually, I don't even know. If, I think they have to. Mike Lee might know this. The Bears have to spend a certain amount, right? <clears throat> yes. They have to spend like eighty million, I think, to get to the cap floor next year. Jesus. You have to percent spend a percentage of the cap every year. Yeah, I, I think they need eighty million. But like the other thing with the cap, um, and there's some people on Twitter that know a lot more about it than me. But so the, the, it's not a hard cap. It's not like the NHL where like literally you have this many dollars to spend this year and that's it. Yeah. Right. The cap is figured on a three-year rolling average, so yeah, you can roll. Yeah, so I mean that's that's why teams like Green Bay and the Patriots somehow, despite having three max contracts, always end up being able to re-sign that guy, or you know they pick up this mid-tier free agent. Um, but yeah, the short answer is yes. They're going to have to. I mean, they're going to have to pull a Jaguars next year just to get to the cap floor. So for all this making fun of the Jaguars this year, that. That's going to be us next year. I mean, I don't. Who knows? Hey, Jags look great. They're winning that division. Sign me up for those kind of overpays because uh, I would uh, rather overpay for a uh, left tackle or wide receiver than watch Braxton Jones and Reef get beat like a drum. Fields throws up a dime ball to Pettis, who still can't catch it. So who knows? Lamar, Lamar's available. Pay, pay Lamar running back. And you got Orlando Brown out there. I hate Elton Jenkins. You can replace both tackles in the offensive, in the free agency, like, boom, day one. You know their big signing's going to be Deron Payne. <laughs> Who? Deron Payne, Alabama, Washington Beast, commander. Baby. He is a stud, golly. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, one way or the other, we're going to try to find, you know, the three technique is a very niche position because not a whole lot of teams run this one gap, you know, 40 front anymore. Um, So we're going to go out of our way to draft, you know, Carter in the top 10 or sign huge money to, you know, wh- whichever unicorn we can find that fits the three, just so we can convert him to like a head up four when we go back to a thirty front in a couple of years. Awesome! All right, Joe, sing a song. I've had enough of misery. How can I bear down? All right. 
Bear down, Chicago Bears. Make every play clear the way to victory. Bear down, Chicago Bears. Put up a fight. Put up a fight with a might so fearlessly. We'll never forget the way you thrill the nation with your T formation. Bear down, Chicago Bears. And you don't deserve to wear any crowns. You're the pride and joy of Illinois. Chicago Bears, bear down. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.